Today I'm going to be talking about experiences that I've had with uh, Coach Charles Poliquin and Paul Check. Personally taught for the late Charles Poliquin, very famous Canadian strength and conditioning coach, who I met back in 1997. I had a chance to teach for him in the mid-2000s. Today's episode are coaching tips and tricks for the up-and-coming athlete, but also for the experienced coach wanting to know more about the art of program writing. Interviewing me throughout the podcast is a fellow coach and associate of mine, Kate Martin, if you're wondering who the female voice is on some episodes. Hope you enjoy today's episode. So Keith, can you tell us how you met Charles Poliquin? So uh, back in uh, the early to mid 90s, I was actually seeing a gentleman who's still out there today named Paul Check. And uh, Paul Check uh, had a program design course that I took. And turns out that the vast majority of the material they got was actually from Charles Poliquin, because I re had recognized it because he had written a couple of articles back uh, in the late 80s for the National Strength and Conditioning Association. And Paul was uh, saying that he was the, the best strength coach in the world is how Paul described him. And I always found Charles interesting, but I, there, uh, outside of the two articles at the time, there wasn't really a lot on him. And then a gentleman I met in that program design class, uh, who was a massage therapist and a, uh, uh, a reflexologist, actually took the first course that Charles ever taught in this country, it was just quietly out in San Diego with Paul Check and a gentleman named Jerry Telly, who's a, a mechanics expert in the world of uh, resistance training. And my friend, literally three hours behind, called my house at 3.30 in the morning and said, you've got to see this guy, Charles Poliquin. He's unbelievable. He, remind, he, you, he reminds me of you, but... Uh, at a much higher level. And I said, that's, that's, un, that's great. And I found out that Charles was going to be teaching a course in Montreal and uh, in 97 and a friend in 1997 uh, and Friend and I literally drove up from the Boston area to Montreal, a six hour drive. And Charles was uh, speaking and it was just eye opening because what was interesting about him is that what was actually on uh, the outline for the course was barely talked about because he would just go off in all kinds of tangents, which would usually uh, get people upset. But as it turned out, at the end of the seminar, you had a like literally an encyclopedia of information from all his experience in dealing with uh, a vast array of athletes. It was pretty phenomenal. And so every time he started teaching up there, my friend and I would take the uh, the ride up and uh, and go. So, what were some of the things that you? learned from him in the early days? I think the first thing was, is uh, one, uh, that there was more to a program than just uh, 
the exercise, uh, the rest periods were important, the tempo was important, uh, the exercise selection was important. There was just a number of variables and how you were able to incorporate all of those into the objective that you were looking to get for the person you were dealing with. As well as that, uh, that everybody that you were trained were gonna have eventually their own unique qualities that you had to deal with. Now, there were certain things that he found out about athletes in North America, typically that their uh, VMOs or inside quads were too weak for, for the outside quad or vastus lateralis, if their hamstrings were too weak, low backs were weak. And in general, what he said was it was due to a very poor physical education system. So. Uh, we had to write programs that some people would almost accuse us of being bodybuilding programs. And what we were trying to do is play catch up with respect to uh, the lack of a good physical education system. And uh, in my experience, it works very, very well uh, for beginning to develop a very young athlete and sets them up for uh, a good long-term future in the area of strength training. But you'd already been strength training and coaching clients before you met Charles, hadn't, hadn't you? What year did you start? Uh, I had gone to a university in, uh, in the mid to late 80s and got my first break strength coaching at the University of Massachusetts and the year of 1988 and uh, through 89. And then I ended up going home to work with my older brother. We were beginning to work with professional basketball players. My brother was handling the, uh, the individual skills side of things while I was handling the strength coaching for the athletes. And I began to get uh, some very interesting experiences because the guys I was dealing with, I didn't really have a long time to deal with them. So I would have anywhere between six and 12 weeks in the off season to prepare them for their upcoming season. So it's a little bit different than what some people are used to having. If you're a strength coach at university, you have all year round to deal with your athletes. I had six to 12 weeks and had to work around that. So can you tell us more about some of your dealings with, with Poliquin or Paul Check in the early days? Because weren't, weren't you asked to teach some of his courses or take some of their clients for them as well? So with, uh, when, I, when I started seeing, uh, dealing with Paul, uh, uh, Paul was, uh, Paul was definitely uh, unique in his own way. Uh, but after taking a few classes with Paul, and it's, uh, Paul was ver very good at what he does. The problem is, is that it didn't really incorporate what I needed. And so I ended up uh, dealing a lot more with Charles. And as I started taking more classes with him, we discovered that we were actually uh, very similar with him dealing at the time with a lot of hockey players and myself with basketball players. And we were in the same pressed for time situation. And after I had 
gone to about three or four of his uh, his seminars, he ended up teaching a seminar in Columbus, Ohio, with uh, the great powerlifting coach uh, Louis Simmons. And it was a big seminar, and my friend and I flew in, and literally we had dinner with Charles that night, and we really hit it off. And from that point on, uh, I started going to his seminars, and uh, eventually I got the opportunity to do some teaching for him. The, uh, I started teaching a little bit for him in the, uh, uh, in the early to mid-2000s. And he had uh, he started to develop a certification, and he had. Uh, I ended up uh, along with another colleague, Clark Flynn, teaching a level one course at the time. Uh, we did it in Chicago, and we did it in uh, Toronto together. But uh, the other thing that I was very fortunate to do was that uh, Charles had a number of athletes, and. Charles was at the time based in uh, Tempe, Arizona. And so many of his athletes used to, uh, or at the time hockey players, they used to go out to spend a few days with him. They would get evaluated, they would get a program, but they would not stay out in Arizona because uh, after having a long hockey season, they needed to be with the family. So they would go out and get their program and then go back to home and go through the program for approximately a month before they would head out for a brief uh, uh, run back out to Tempe. A number of the players, though, desired to have a trainer with them, and so he would, uh, depending on what area you lived in, he would hook up uh, the athlete with a local trainer whom he trusted. So I ended up dealing with a few of his athletes for him, and that was a great experience. Uh, uh, behind the scenes. And I know I'm putting you on the spot by asking this and with all due respect, obviously for the late Mr. Poliquin, what are some of the, I guess, off the record or nuances that in particular you love about his style of coaching or method of teaching or seems to really resonate with the way you do things now? What have you carried forward? Obviously, you've got your own style as well, but can you tell us more about that? I think the initial the initial challenge with any young coach who uh, starts to uh, take on more information is it's very hard for them not to uh, take that information and try to copy the information without really gaining an understanding of how to apply the information. So initially, uh, no different than learning uh, any subject, uh, having to learn how to incorporate with dealing with the variables I mentioned before in terms of exercise selection, uh, sets and reps, uh, speed of movement or tempo, rest periods, uh, periodization. Those, uh, once you got comfortable with those concepts and how to incorporate them, uh, then you had to understand how to apply the different methods to different situations. And that only comes with a lot of coaching. And uh, so I was fortunate because before I dealt with Charles, I learned a lot from some people over the years before that. So I walked in with a pretty solid base. And so it was a little bit easier for me to pick up 
on those concepts. So I could get into uh, really the, as, as he used to say, there's a, a science to it, but there's also an art to it. And that's where the uh, coaching experience comes in and that you have to recognize uh, how someone's reacting to the, the program. And pretty much no two people are gonna react to the program the same way. So you have to be willing to adjust on the fly. And uh, in fact, one time it was interesting because he started dealing uh, with some more explosive athletes in uh, the world of track and field. And he was astounded at how easily that uh, they recovered from the workouts he gave them and that they needed to have uh, uh, a change more often. So the average people that work out need a change approximately every four weeks in their program. But gifted athletes might need change, change uh, uh, almost every workout, depending if they're very, very gifted. So that's one of the initial challenges. You have to see how people react to things that you give them and be able to adjust that accordingly. And some of that occurs when, uh, whether or not they've had very little experience versus if they have a lot of experience, those can actually have a great bearing on uh, what you're trying to do from that standpoint. Anything else that you think either the upcoming athlete, you know, the upcoming student athlete, maybe for football or basketball or hockey, or a fellow coach who is interested in getting better at coaching clients and the art of getting results with people? Any other little nuances or tips and tricks that you've learned that you could share with us? I think initially for the up and coming athlete, in any sport, uh, they have to put a foundation on. So they've got to get very good at, at the basics. It's no different than learning math. You cannot do advanced math without learning how to add, subtract, multiply, or divide. You have to learn the basics and you've got to get good at it. And when you say and the basics, what do you mean? So uh, any, any of the particular exercises, even general exercising, uh, from uh, squatting, deadlifting, uh, bench pressing, overhead press. Those are main lifts that a lot of people go running into right away, but many times and sometimes not even prepared for it. So you first have to analyze whether the athlete can actually get in proper position to say to squat, or if they're gonna eventually learn how to Olympic lift or the deadlifting, because if they learn with poor mechanics, they can not only injure themselves, but they're not gonna get nearly what they should get out of the effort they're gonna put in. So a lot of people were afraid to do that with their athletes, not realizing that if you just get them good initially with the basics and prepare them for the, uh, the up and coming things they, they, they're going to need, that it's gonna work out very well for them anyways. Now, there's always exceptions to the rule. I just started with a young man who uh, uh, I have to keep every single workout with him. I've got to make changes because he's naturally advanced. He can get into various positions that some people might take three months to get them into that position. Uh, 
physically. So for example, some people, some people don't know how to hip hinge. Some people don't know how to do an Olympic squat and maintain proper uh, uh, posture in terms of making sure that they don't lose lordosis when they squat as uh, some examples of that. So when you have somebody who, who is advanced, you can move faster. So the big, the big thing is, is not to worry about that and find out whoever you're dealing with what it is they're capable of doing and build off of that and they'll do very well with that and the same thing with coaches the coaches there's so many toys i was just showing a prospective client their family my my huge 340 square foot home gym and i have all kinds of bars all kinds of gadgets in it and it's exciting but it's they have to get good at very basic things before you can attack them with all kinds of other things and expect them to get the most out of them. That's interesting. And, and it's common sense for, for you now, but what would you say to some of the coaches and also normal people in the population that are looking to train when they do advance too quickly? And what are some of the things that you see that you just think are crazy and beyond that person's ability and they need to bring it back can you think of anything off the top of your head well i think in general that people try to uh, uh, everybody has a goal especially if you're a guy in the gym and now i'm seeing more and more women get this way who get excited about uh, lifting weights where it's not as much as uh, stigmatized that uh, if a woman wants to build muscle and that's what makes her feel good then she can do that as well but I just think there's a, uh, uh, there's a general rush to get someplace fast. And what you usually see at the end of the day is that they uh, struggle with, uh, start getting dinged up with injuries. And a lot of them could have been avoided with a much better foundation put on. So, you know, my general suggestion for if you're an upcoming athlete, you should find a, you should find a good coach to help you get started on that. If you're a coach a young coach looking to get into the business and begin to learn and how to expedite the process and you should find a more experienced coach who's been successful to learn under many times that they're great coaches that offer internships and you can really learn uh, from many many years of wisdom uh, well, I, just like anybody else, like to get information on the internet. The internet is overloaded with too much information by too many different people. And, and uh, percentage-wise, not all of them have actually uh, coached uh, as much as you would think they have coached. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm coaching on average 35 40 hours a week i don't know where these people get the time to work to do a lot of writing that's what i've always found <laughs> or social media marketing etc so keith because the the entire internet is overwhelming with 
the amount of information that people can access these days. And also, you can find evidence that, you know, smoking is good for you. So you can find evidence that any method is good for you and it's the new fashionable thing, etc. But something that I like is I taught my clients to use me as Google. So can people message you and ask you a question? Obviously, you won't sell them something, but I'd like you to be able to be everybody who's listening to this to be their Google. What's the best place for them to contact you? What's your email address if somebody wants to ask you a question? It's keithalpert at gmail.com, K-E-I-T-H-A-L-P-E-R-T, one word, at gmail.com. You can almost also find me on Facebook under Keith Alpert, or they can look at that. Uh, my business page is athletist, A-T-H-L-E-T-I-S-T. And my website is athletist.com, A-T-H-L-E-T-I-S-T.com. Cool. All links will be near this podcast or audio recording wherever you're listening to it, guys. But I just want you to know that Keith is available as a resource. He's an amazing human and an amazing coach. And that's why I'm asking him questions to get the information out there so that more people start to use people like him as their Google instead of actually using Google. Any last words or experiences that you want to share to do with coaching or Charles Poliquin or Paul Check or anyone else actually that you think people should maybe research who are really good coaches who do have really good methods that you like? probably doesn't mean they had a large Instagram following. Uh, would be, uh, think there are plenty of coaches, but it all depends literally where they, uh, what their situation is. So uh, just like anything else, there are certain coaches that are very good for certain situations. Uh, so that one would be a little more challenging to, to name very specific people, but I know probably a couple of dozen great coaches from uh, in my network from around the world who uh, mm. I certainly find and have uh, would f would have great respect for. Yeah, and you no can easily refer to. I guess Absolutely. you can easily refer people to it if they ask. So guys, if you're going to send Keith a question, please, please be specific in terms of what it is you're trying to gain, what's going on with your body and where it is you're hoping to lead to with your body goals. And, and or your athletic performance because he is a wealth of knowledge in terms of his natural organic network that he has of human beings that he's met over the course of his approximately 35 year career. Yeah, I hate to say it, 35. It's about 35 now. <laughs> it's a long time. So let's use him, guys. All right, thank you so much for your time today, Keith. Thank you for being on the call with me, Kate.